two, Let's go. one. Get. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Beyond the Headset. I'm your co-host Rick. This is. I'm your co-host Jones. Hell yeah. Um, we're just going to be talking about VR, AR, AI, Web3, whatever, future tech. And we're going to just get right into it this week because we know you guys missed us. <laughs> yeah, right into it. We've got some juicy things here, some juicy segments. So stay tuned. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah, let's, let's start. Um, the big story this week, the VR community has been in absolute upheaval recently over some news out of meta so Ooh. there's this game uh called echo vr which is okay. a pretty popular vr sports game but it's really cool it's like it's zero gravity and you use your arms to like push around the arena and you have like a a disc and you try and throw it in the other person's goal and i don't know it's it's very oh. futuristic it's cool there's been actual esports tournaments for it um, wow. Meta bought the company Ready at Dawn for I think about ten million or so. Um, don't quote me on that, but and that's the company that make makes this. Echo. Yeah, yeah, they make the company, gotcha. or they made uh, Echo VR. They also they're known for their lone Echo games. Are these really popular single player story games that are really cool. good games? That um, seems like a pretty low buy price. Am, am I wrong about that? I mean, if if there's a lot of traction well, in that game for it's. It's been out for a while, um, and I don't know. I think you can buy some of these. They're still smaller studios. You can probably buy them for... Gotcha. It's possible I'm getting the number wrong, too, but I don't know. It, that doesn't seem like too shocking of a price to me. But the big gotcha, news gotcha. is that Meta has announced they are killing off Echo VR, <laughs> which is wild because it's one of the most played multiplayer games on the Quest app store it has a pretty intensely dedicated community it's their only multiplayer game that they own that has like a serious esports community involved i don't know if that sport esports community has dwindled a little bit recently but the game only officially launched in 2020 it, it was out before then but they i think they called it 1.0 once it launched in 2020 so it's it's a young game it has tens of thousands of active players and in August, you will never be able to play it again, which Jeez. is absolutely insane. These things happen in the gaming industry. Multiplayer games, there's cost to keeping servers up and maintaining mm. the game, but you usually hear about it with like an MMO, which are really cost-intensive games that are like 15 years old and no one plays anymore, or not enough people <laughs> play, or a yeah. company goes out of business. So meta killing off a pretty big ip just it's an insane decision and there's a lot of takes from within the industry on all sides um, yeah that's crazy did they release any kind of press release or anything or it's all kind of yeah takes? so no there was at first the company just said they were shifting their resources to focus on other projects it mm. was a joint decision with meta and ready at dawn um but obviously there was a massive backlash to this everyone's calling meta stupid for doing this it's it's a pretty <laughs> inexplicable move that just creates so much ill will towards them especially in the gaming side of things and essentially bosworth who boz is the cto currently of meta and gotcha. he took over um 
John Carmack wasn't the CTO of Meta. He was this. He was like consulting CTO and CTO for a while of Oculus. He joined in really early on. If you're not familiar with John Carmack, he's like this gaming legend, one of the pioneers of like 3D gaming. And then he went gotcha. on to really help out Palmer Lucky get get traction for the Oculus. But he mm-hmm. left recently, which is a big deal because he's one of the main proponents of gaming from within Meta. And then Boz took over, who is an ads guy, essentially. And his statement mm-hmm. was not reassuring at all. It was essentially, yeah, we know there's a big player base and we know you guys love this game, but it's not that big of a player base. It's dwindling. And maybe there's tens of thousands of people we're catering to with this game, but we need the resources shifted towards experience that millions of people will <laughs> experience. Which, wow. again, they don't have that many games that have player bases in the millions, I would assume. Mm-hmm. 10,000 10, and more seems like kind of a decent amount to be killing off a game like that. Yeah, for real. I mean, it seems like they're just purely focused on the business side, but you got to feel like there's a lot of intangibles here that they're not thinking about that are going to hinder them on the business side, where if they alienate this entire community of people, it's going to be a lot harder to reach these millions that they're thinking about. Even, it seems like they're kind of making all the wrong moves. Yeah, even financially speaking, multiplayer games are where the money's at. So maybe this game isn't making money, but why would I invest money in any of their games they own a few multiplayer titles not many this was one of them now it's going to die but now i'm just thinking to the other games i'm like yeah they definitely have bigger player bases than echo but big enough like are they just going to kill that off and send all the engineers to work on horizons too i don't know if they're working on horizons but that's kind of what i assume to be honest yeah it does seem like the classic thing we were talking about last time where it's just a disconnect between the people in the community and the corporations trying to enter it, where yeah. they just continue to ruffle feathers in maybe just thinking about the bottom line and not realizing how... Because I feel like a lot of these more emerging tech, whether it's Web3, VR, have such tight-knit communities that you can't kind of just steamroll over them and then adopt. I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but that's kind of what it seems like. And then I guess another question, so why did they acquire Ready at Dawn then? Was this... Ready, was Echo Ready at Dawn's biggest game? And if they just shut it down, what was that about? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is one of their biggest games. I, I mean, it's pretty just incomprehensible. It makes me think maybe they're just buying the talent and they didn't really care about the mm. IP and they just wanted people yeah. who have experience in VR and then they'll just can their projects and... But again, now I'm immediately thinking to all the other studios they bought, and I'm like, well, why would I invest in this game, put any money into it if they're just going to kill it off? I don't know. Um, but yeah. there's... So I mentioned John Carmack specifically because he left, and he was he left because he was just kind of sick of meta, was essentially his statement. He gave <laughs> like a public... St- or an internal statement that leaked, and he posted it publicly. And it's basically the bureaucracy was insane... They weren't going in the direction he wanted. And so John Carmack spoke up on the Echo VR thing, and he's like, "That's I would never have done anything like that. Um, And I'll read some of his quote that I thought was pretty pretty good about why you shouldn't. Um, 
Even if there's only 10,000 active users, destroying that user value should be avoided if possible. Your company suffers more harm when you take away something dear to a user than you gain and benefit by providing something equally valuable to them or others. User value is my number one talking point by far, but focus is pretty high up there as well, and opportunity cost is a real thing. Um, wow. So he didn't mince words at all there. He very clearly would not have done that. And I think, again, that speaks to the new direction of meta where this is he is from the gaming industry he understands that like you can't just kill off these things whereas meta all these big tech companies that aren't gaming publishers historically they don't have that experience to know that like yeah if you kill off this game even if it's a smaller player base people are going to get pissed it does more harm to your reputation and your future ability to sell games than you're anticipating like even the most money hungry activision harvard business school type product manager at one of the big gaming companies who just solely wants to make money if you've been in the gaming industry at all you know you know not to do this essentially is what (laughs) i would assume Um, yeah and meta's rep is already so low it almost seems like they're just kind of have like an effort mentality now like it's just like let's just keep going more negative and i get and you gotta wonder either i mean either they know something we don't it's almost like uh that quote where who was it henry ford was like if i had asked people what they wanted they would have said faster horses and so it's almost this thing where potentially zuck just knows something none of us do and if you listen that's why he's not listening to everyone because he has this more grand vision but it seems like that's not really how it's gonna play out but i guess only time will. the issue is he's so transparent like he tells us exactly where they are technologically he's like here's he just there was a financial call where he talked about the quest three which I'm probably going to be wrong on my prediction. It sounds like it's coming out this year. Um, but it's, I mean, he's just an open book. He's like, it's not going to have face tracking. It's going to be full color. Like he, he's giving all the technical details. Boz is in, in his AMA talked about how we're like three years out from this thing, five years. So there's, it doesn't seem like there's some like hidden internal, like, oh, we have this thing going on. Like they're too much of an open book to the point where <laughs> I don't think we're going to be surprised with anything. Maybe yeah. Ready Player Ready Player Dawn or Ready at Dawn, whatever it's fucking called. I don't know. They could be working on a sequel. I highly doubt it to release with the Quest Three. I they're not. I I think that's very unlikely. But it's possible they are working on something similar, and the goal is to replace this game. But I think. That's been done in the gaming industry before. You announce you're replacing the game. You don't announce that you're killing <laughs> yeah. it off. So, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think that's what's happening. Um, this is so wild. It it just seems like they increasingly... Have they done anything that's been a positive spin in the VR space? Like, it seems like they're just so out of touch with what people want. But it's the how could year. they be? I just don't... They have know. so much data on like trends and all of that stuff. It just, it seems so wild to me that they're this off base without having some kind of greater plan. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Th- I mean, this past year, they've just, they've done good things, definitely. But this past year has just been bad headline after bad headline. And I do think to the data point, I think there isn't really as much data as you would think. Like they have good data about like 
user metrics in their games and that sort of thing. But like, I think I do to give some of these companies some slack, it's tough. It's easy for us to see. Yeah. Obviously if you do this, people are going to be pissed. It's going to have this sort of negative impact on your company, but it's because we're so invested in the space. And I think there's a lot of people in web three in VR and AR in AI who are kind of like love the space, but aren't a part of it. And I think that's a lot of what these companies have is a lot of people yeah. who don't participate in the community. They don't even necessarily have the technical skills in the space, but they're a, still an evangelist for XYZ product. And I think yeah, that's hundred percent. I kind of think about when all those celebrities were like showing off their board apes and stuff. And I'm like, they're definitely not a part of the community. They're definitely mm -hmm. not. And maybe they like genuinely think it's a really cool space, but it just always plays so poorly because there's some <laughs> yeah. intangible, like you get it or you don't sort of thing mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. It seems also, I mean, one of the big narratives in web three, obviously is how can we onboard more mainstream people? And I mean, potentially that's what Zuck's kind of thinking here too, is like, even though this is such a core community of diehards, I'm okay with alienating them for the bigger picture, which is all of the millions of people who aren't in this space right now. But mm -hmm. I mean, it does just seem like there's a, a better balance that you could strike with that. Yeah. And, I mean, John Carmack in his post, he literally was like, I can read, I won't give actual quotes, but he's like, here are three ways in which you could keep this alive and not suffer the consequences. <laughs> his first one was literally just have one employee make sure the game is still running. And he's like, I <laughs> hated how much waste there was there. This is not waste by comparison to what a lot of people at Meta are doing. According to John Carmack, he's like, huh. just throw literally one developer to keep the servers alive. You don't have to update it anymore. You don't have to do X, Y, Z. People won't be that mad because they can still play it. It's not going to get updates and it sucks. But like, I don't know. It's more, it's more palatable than like this world. Cause there's an intense community there too. That just dies when this game dies. Like all these yeah. friends made, all these memories. It's like a emotional connection for a lot of people that they just kind of kill off. What do you think happens there? Are there other games that are similar? Like, no. You know, what happens there? Because I guess if you think about something like Halo, I feel like that kind of phased out a little bit over additions. But if Halo 3, in the midst of it all, just stopped being a thing, that would be devastating, dude. Like what would, yeah. what would we have done? I don't even know. It would have been very Damn. sad. There was a, I, I, I saw a video bad. about they killed off Halo 3 support for Xbox 360. They, mm -hmm. There's a remastered version of the game that you can play now that people still play a ton. But they ended support for the Xbox 360 servers. And there was like this big emotional video about everyone playing for the last time. They're all in a lobby oh. talking. And then it just the game cuts out. And I was like, oh, this that... like it sounds dumb, but that's just I like. <laughs> no, it's kind of like, yeah. And so these people, especially this game is still, I'm sure the user base is dwindling. It's old-ish, but it's not that old. And it still has a yeah. fairly large, so there are a lot of people who, yeah, that's a good comparison to them. It'll feel Damn. like that. Damn. Um, yeah, more meta doom and gloom there. Seems like it keeps coming. Any, uh, any, any Apple, Apple leak updates or should I rip to a... My talking points. I can give a quick Apple update. Yeah, we, we don't even need to get into it. it but they it. basically, 
it's it's one of the reasons I think Meta is definitely releasing the Quest Three this year. Now, the more I think about it, is they're totally going to want to ride off Apple's coattails because Apple's mm-hmm. headset's going to be so expensive. I think a bunch of people are just going to buy a Meta headset because they can't afford the Apple one. Um, but the fair. Apple one, there more leaks about software. They're building a bunch of platforms so that you can build AR apps without any sort of code. So you just hop in the headset and they will have some sort of platform to make it really, really easy to build apps, which I think is pretty That's crucial because cool. they're going to need to scale up the app economy very rapidly to prove that this thing is actually interesting because that's the biggest problem is Meta's doing so bad at demonstrating why you should get a headset like the one they have Mm -hmm. and I think Apple will do a much better job but it seems like they're trying to set it up so that I mean it's kind of like the original iPhone app store a lot of the success of the iPhone I mean it innovated on a ton of really cool things but the big thing was the app store and all these other outside developers making interesting experiences so totally yeah i was actually watching a video last night i think it was a quote from bill gates he was basically saying like you haven't really created a a true platform everyone likes to say platform you haven't created a true platform until the value of the ecosystem that exists on that platform is greater than the platform itself and Mm -hmm. it feels like that's like the app store that's like this headset etc so yeah totally agree that seems like a pretty that's pretty major i mean hopping on kind of the no code movement here with in ar very cool. yeah no they very cool i i think it's from everything i've heard they're it sounds like they're making all the right calls it's going to be called like the reality pro they're going to basically reiterate that this is for professional users it's not nice. which was another concern was that they need to have the like marketing right on this one and not try and convince people that everyone should buy a three grand thing. I don't know. Totally. Um, yeah. If there's one thing I have faith on with Apple, it's the marketing side of things. I feel like they always crush that. So hopefully fingers yeah, crossed. They're, they're too no intense and careful about the branding of these things that I meta is just so careless with the way that they like Zuckerberg will post these tweets like a picture from inside horizons and it looks awful and it's like <laughs> you don't Apple doesn't do that kind of thing like they're not letting yeah. Federini or whatever that guy's name just post random pictures from inside awful looking demos of the software yeah which is kind of funny because I mean you'd almost think that would be a more beneficial thing like being part of the community building in public like you know having people be a part of it. But it just again they're just backfired they're so not hard. part of the community so when they just drop in to yeah, say it just hello feels weird they do it wrong and yeah, then so it true. backfires and yeah again apple i don't see them doing that so i don't know i may be burning a hole in my wallet later this year so i can try and develop stuff <laughs> for it it sounds cool um, but we just have to wait and see. We're we're actually pretty close. It's February now, March, April. All right, so we got like three months until we'll probably WWDC. I think is beginning of June, so three four months, and then that's it's seeming pretty likely we're gonna know everything then. Coming soon. You yep. heard it here first on Beyond the Headset. This is where you first heard it. Yeah. There's, it's I soon. came up with that for my insider <laughs> sources. It's not online anywhere. Very exciting. Very exciting. All right. Let me... Um, You're up. So I don't have a ton of news to share this week, but there's a, a conversation topic that's been pretty forefront of Web3 for a while, and I don't know if we've talked about it yet, so I want to bring it up. Have we talked about 
royalties in Web3 at all? Not really. Specifically around NFTs? Okay, cool. So let me kind of paint the picture. So one of the major value props for artists to enter the Web3 space was that you can earn royalties on future sales of your pieces. It's programmed in. So an example of that would be, say, you know, a famous painter, Van Gogh or whatever, sold a painting to a collector super early for like 10 bucks. And then that collector years later ends up selling that painting for like millions of dollars. Van Gogh in that situation potentially doesn't get any royalty action from that secondary sale. He only gets the $10 on the original one. The cool thing about NFTs was that it's actually programmed in where you can set your creator royalty. So when I mint a digital image, say, and you collect it, I could have in that image that there's a 5% royalty on any future sales. So then whenever you sell it, say it's the same situation, you buy it for $10 to start and then wait on the line, you sell for a million. I, as a creator, get that 5% royalty on any future sales, which is super cool because it allows yeah. you to continuously attribute value for your work as you grow as people sell so that was a huge thing people were talking about that a ton as one of the key value props then fairly recently and so there was this narrative that like that was a thing it was programmed in you could program it in a smart contracts contracts then fairly recently like a few months ago people started realizing that it's not actually done at the smart contract level which was this whole it kind of blew my mind because this was something i was telling people like yo mm. this is one of the coolest things but it's actually enforced by marketplaces so say i do like an over-the-counter sale to you for my digital mm. work or whatever yeah it's actually not automatically given that five percent royalty back to me it's just through a marketplace like OpenSea, where if you buy it through OpenSea wow. through a market like that OpenSea is actually the one that enforces that, which yeah. was fascinating. It kind of was like, holy shit. Like everyone kind of woke, because almost, I mean, unless you were super technical, most people were put, actually thought genuinely that it was smart. And I don't know how that false narrative became so apparent, but so that was kind of a, a big awakening, like, holy shit. And so because of that, a lot of these marketplaces started popping up that do not enforce royalties. That was and so, literally my first thought was like, why not just yep. start? one where you exactly. charge the fee a hundred percent and a bunch of them did because for i mean obviously we would want to support artists so we would want to yeah. support the royalty but royalties also are on just like anything so like for the pfp collections like board ape or azuki royalties are actually a really interesting business model for them because yeah. with any future sales it's kind of like ongoing revenue just from transactions but then when these marketplaces pop up that don't honor that <laughs> there was this huge conversation in the whole space around because a lot of these projects that was one of their major revenue streams and so yeah. you know you had people saying like oh this is actually good because now they actually have a have to have a real business <laughs> and like in, encourage them to actually do stuff right but then in the creator side of things it's it's kind of sucks and so there have been all of these it's been like a whole saga it's been happening for months now where OpenSea tried to develop this kind of thing at the smart contract level where you can enter in your code and it will actually not allow your piece to be listed on platform on marketplaces that don't enforce royalties honestly i don't even know where it's all at right now it's just hella confusing but that just point right there that they're not enforced at a smart contract level is super interesting and it kind of makes sense because like a lot of times you're transferring your nfts between your own wallets and so in order for it to be enforced at a smart contract level you'd essentially have to have royalties on any wallet transfer 
and wow. that wouldn't really make sense for how the space is used. No. So that's a su- just a super interesting topic there. That's one of the forefront discussions still. Yeah, I I had heard of royalties on that stuff and never really thought much about it. I was like, that's a cool component of it. But I think especially, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm only thinking of like the collections that cost a fortune, but like it's kind of, I don't know. I think a lot of people treat it not only as being part of the community, but it's an investment too. It's a ton of money. You want it to go up. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like who wouldn't, cut out the fee like why not maximize your return especially on a bit maybe if you're buying a one-off piece from some random artist you pay the fee because that's more of like a personal thing but for these companies that you're spending like 40 grand on an nft like there's yeah i don't see the incentive to pay the fee especially when there's that big of money being thrown around totally and that is kind of the value prop of these not enforced fees on these marketplaces is it's for the kind of more advanced trader. Cause yeah. when you, a lot of these things have like 10% royalties. And so you Jeez. list it on OpenSea, and then the amount you get Dude, is that's so much on some of the, like the board apes and stuff. That's crazy. Insane. It's crazy. I don't know exactly what board ape is, but yeah, it's like, it's kind of insane. And so you can see where, and so, then I think there was one Magic Eden started on Solana. It's almost like the equivalent to OpenSea in terms of publicity or people using it, activity on Solana. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure they went to something on doing optional royalties or something. And it just caused all these things because it's really interesting. Like if you're one of the more important marketplaces, like I don't think, I think OpenSea still has, they don't have any optional thing that you can bypass it, but it's, you're in such an interesting place because like for the creator culture socially oh it's really tough if the royalties are gone because that was a big yeah. part of the whole value prop but then as a business if you're open you start losing a lot of market share when the traders who really don't mm-hmm. care at all start going to these other aggregators and stuff that don't enforce it so i think they're in kind of an interesting spot too but it's just so interesting because the whole narrative was around the royalties and then it just turned out they weren't enforced at smart contract level. So I'm sure there will continue to be more and more innovation about how it all plays out. But it's it's just a fascinating topic that is currently continuing to go on about. Yeah, I'd be so it. interested to see if they come up with a solution for actually baking it into the smart contract. Because I feel like I like the idea in general. I would not pay the fee if i had the choice but if i had to i'd still feel good about it i don't know it's like i'm buying this thing secondhand at least like i'm helping out the original creator but i don't feel that bad about not doing it so i don't know it would be yeah. nice if they could bake it in and then i don't have a choice in the matter yeah. <laughs> dude i totally agree because i i can't lie i've been so there's a new marketplace called blur and it's kind of an aggregator um but it gives you the option to like put in your fee or your transaction fee and like oh wow or your royalty fee like yeah sometimes it's optional so you can put it in and it is tough to <laughs> like not put that at zero again I can't lie. If, yeah i if it's a one-off artist like a guy on twitter i saw his nft i would be far more tempted to do it but like yuga labs is like a massive company now Mm-hmm. It'd be like, do you want to donate to Meta today? Like, no, of course not. Yeah. How interesting is that from a business perspective, though, that royalty stream? I think it's so yeah, interesting. I think the, it's really the... interesting, too. I think it's cool. I, I think about in real life all the used markets for things, and like, it does kind of suck. Like, 
if you release a video game and 25% of the people buy it used, you just missed out on so much revenue that yeah. like, you could have put towards the sequel to that game. You could have hired new people. You could have, I don't know, given it back to investors, whatever you want to do with it. So again, it's good for consumers to be able to buy it cheap. But like, if you just tack on like a five, 10% fee, if you could do that in real life, it's not that much more for consumers to buy used if it's already at a yeah. steep discount. And then it still is kind of helping. I don't know. I like it in theory. Same. I'm, I'm definitely pro royalties in theory too. Another interesting thing that it enables, there was this whole, the NFT space goes in such waves of kind of metas. Like mm-hmm. right now, the open edition meta is a thing. Recently, the free mint was a thing. I think the free mint's really interesting though, because the idea is basically that if you have a community of supporters, like say um, we had 50 diehard listeners of this podcast. I know we have way more right now, but say we when we started at 50. And basically what we could do is say, hey, since you were a really early supporter, instead of using you to fundraise our efforts, let me just give you, you 50, 50 each have one of these NFTs that represent maybe, you know, access to sit in our studio or or whatever, some utility there, and there's only 50 ever, we just freely give them to our first supporters. Then that opens up a really interesting potential monetization play for the earliest supporters and also for us. Because if you give it to mm-hmm. them for free and then we continue to deliver value, either, or I guess both, if the initial supporters ever wanted to sell that, there might start being a lot of demand for that scarce 50 amount yeah. pass if we start crushing it. And then two, if we institute a royalty also, we could potentially also use that as a revenue stream. So it's kind of a cool way to support your earliest or to yeah, support your earliest supporters, allow them to have a potential monetization stream, but then also as a business, give yourself one yeah. without having to kind of tax the earliest people. So I think that's kind of a cool application of the whole thing. Yeah, that that's an interesting yeah, so I guess is that enforceable on the same level that um, it still know. wouldn't be. So, so then you okay. run the risk of that would all be if, if yeah, if you. Well, I think you can do stuff now though. Like I was saying about how I think there are options where you can strictly limit your yeah uh, thing to just be sold on a royalty enforcing marketplace. Like I, so Blur is an aggregator, and I've actually tried. So there's things like OpenSea looks rare. Um, I think another one on Blur too, but so I've tried to list my NFT like on Blur that doesn't mm-hmm. enforce royalties, and it actually wouldn't let me. It would just let me put it mm. to OpenSea, which was kind of interesting. Okay, that seems like so, enough yeah. of a solution. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff though, like backlash around the whole OpenSea thing. I don't know. There's there's a ton of debate about the whole thing, but it is important to discuss. So now that you know, and for anyone listening, that I'm sure you'll see that again. That's kind of an ongoing conversation topic. Um, so I guess in addition to that, I have like I have I have one more little tidbit I thought was cool. Unless you have anything that you want to. Uh, I also have one more little tidbit, but it's it's less important. Okay. Cool. Do you want to just rip yours and then I'll do mine next? Mine's also not not sure. Take like two seconds. Chat GPT. I've been a holdout. Oh, what do we got? What do we I don't got? know. Well, it's just uh, it's it's an anecdote about my experience with it, and okay, I've, nice, I've been nice. a holdout because I've used the generative art thing, and I found it cool, but I don't know. There, it has issues, I guess. And Chat GPT was. I've, I've spoken to it, which sounds stupid to say, but I've like had conversations with the AI 
And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is like kind of interesting, but I don't get it yet. And then I was working on a little personal project and I was like, try, I was like, all right, you know what? Why not? Let's see if it writes the code and then I can bug fix whatever it gives me. I gave it a few small one-off tasks, nailed them. No bugs better than I, the scheme I had in my mind for how I was going to accomplish this programming task. It was better than that. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, it was like a forehead slap like oh i should have known that was the optimal way to do it there were a few things i didn't understand in the code and i was like hey can you explain this line and it did it in a way that was more understandable than 90 percent of the stack overflow posts i see which a lot of those people are really helpful and great for the community but also mm-hmm. assume a level of knowledge higher than what the askers have i feel like a lot of the times yeah um, oh, that's so interesting i pushed so, yeah, it, it to its limit the forum. and it does break down at some points i was using it in okay. unity and the higher scale you go like using interconnected systems i tried like describing hey i have a script that does this i want you to write a script that pulls this from that and does this and i don't know i think in an app like unity it's also difficult because there's so many interconnected systems but for all mm-hmm. these like one-off things that half the time I just Google anyways, like little things like how do I animate this in Xcode, it just nails it first try. That's this isn't, crazy. This isn't like mind-blowing. I'm sure everyone's read enough tweets about people hyping it up. But I write off people, the AI community has the same issue as VR and Web3, where you just have these people getting like too hype about it to the point where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like that yeah relax i've i've kind of started ignoring some of those AI yeah because they're just well, it's like, like this guy 99 of people aren't using it right here's the thread on how to yeah do it. and like here is the list of jobs that will be obsolete in the next one year and it's like okay <laughs> maybe it'll happen in 20 years definitely not yeah in one year um, it's it's a really interesting anecdote though because i haven't been using it for because i'm building in bubble which is a no-code tool and i i've I've been using like sometimes I post in the forum or scroll through forum posts and Mm -hmm. it seems like what you're saying is that this could be such a cool good replacement for the forum where it's just immediate immediate answers you don't have to wait for anyone to get back to you You don't have to scroll through endless previous posts it's just right there yeah well just for coding in general like if I was just speaking to it I've asked it for advice on things like I asked it how do I create xyz synth in Ableton it was not helpful there. It, it <laughs> I don't know. It, it, yeah. it gave me a real Yeah, that's what I'm worried answer. about with Bubble. I feel like it's probably I think not it would be the same yet. with Bubble, but I think I, yeah. they must pull from like all of GitHub or something and just have an insane amount of code. And I think code is actually low key easier for it to spit out something that works. And it's easier to bug fix. There's a lot of things I think that are you wouldn't think that are a lot easier to do with code. So it can just create code for you that works. Whereas totally. like high level, like how would you theoretically do X, Y, Z? It, sometimes it gave me cool answers of things I didn't think of, but like specific question, shockingly, it nails. Yeah, that's a good point. I was listening to something recently that said, I forget who it was, but they basically hired a bunch of coders to just mm-hmm. go out into some facility, maybe you saw that too, to kind of train this AI so that they don't have to worry about the copyright stuff. It's like they're specifically training on this code and they're really going after that, which it does yep. seem like the coding thing is is a very realistic application. I just, this. I wasn't even scared by it. I, so, as a student who's going back to school for computer science, it just felt like such a nice tool to have in my back pocket, but not like a, 
I don't feel any immediate threat to my job security because of this. If anything, it'll just make me more efficient because I can just knock out, I don't have to pour through Google searches and Stack Overflow posts and responses and then trial and error a bunch of unrelated response. Like I can just cut out a lot of stuff and it can't do very high level, big interconnected systems well. Mm -hmm. So that's like my job is to like manage it, but like specifically one line of code, like how would you do this in one line? Like, bam, does that in one line. It's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. very cool to hear about. That's that's dope. Okay, my last thing, my little tidbit is just a headline. Amazon to explore an NFT initiative in the spring. Interesting. That's all I have. That's the, I don't think there's any other details on it yet, but we did see that they just had the AWS partner with Avalanche, and now they're exploring an NFT initiative. That's very curious kind what of that entails. That seems yeah. that feels like a meta getting into the VR space kind of thing because NFTs in the biggest marketplace on the internet, potentially the world now, probably the world. Mm-hmm. That feels huge. I don't know. I am so intrigued. I don't know how, how they would do out. that, but like, yeah, that, that seems Same. pretty massive. Like, will they take the NFT route? Will they take the digital collectible route? Will they talk much about the Web3 part? Mm-hmm. So intrigued about the whole thing. I, it, there's a lot of ways it can go wrong, and it seems like a few ways it can go right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I love it. I feel like both of our industries are like kind of in deep winter mode right now, but there's like with Apple and now this, like there's like things coming that I'm like, this could be really cool. This could like kick things yeah. up. Yeah. Totally. It's build season, baby. Build season, <laughs> it's pretty hype. See all this stuff. But yeah. Dope. Should we, uh, a nice efficient sesh? Yeah, that was a Good stuff. nice, succinct episode. Mm-hmm. Easy to Very consume dope. on your commute to work or wherever you're going. Yes. And for those of you who've been following us on TikTok, I know we haven't posted in like four days. Don't worry. We're coming back to you. I had so many DMs. Rick, where's all your wondering. TikTok content? The it's people been are four days. Where did we go? I'm starved. I know. I know. Don't worry. Relax. We're we coming got you. back. We're coming back. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> Thanks all for right. tuning in. Yeah. Get you next week. Peace, everyone. Peace.